Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. And the 10,000 strong crowd at Sandy Parker on their feet for the world number one Red Roses who have put the Black Ferns to the sword in their 100th test. Their biggest ever score, their biggest ever winning margin and Zoe Harrison, player of the match, has the final say. And the Black Ferns in their first match for two years, their historic 100th not to be today, outplayed. And back to the drawing board for New Zealand. Yes, it was a massive occasion, the 100th Test match for, for the Black Ferns, uh, highlighting a great history uh, for women's rugby in this country, but it did not go to plan. They were belted, actually, 43-12 by England in Exeter, um, and uh, not the result that, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, they were hoping for or to a large degree where we were expecting, or should we have expected um, uh, not as much from them. Uh, World Cup winning, loose forward. Um, Melody Robinson won the World Cup twice. Uh, a coveted Black Fern of herself, of course, and uh, making great things uh, in television as well these days. Uh, Mel, good morning to you. Thanks so much for your time. But morning, I haven't spoken to you for so long, Smithy, and it just happens to be on a morning where I'm very grumpy after watching that game. I got up live for it too. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, well, I watched it as I watched it as well. I was throwing and uh, tossing and turning between uh, cricket and uh, and once that was under control, I went back to the women's rugby and uh, I had a, I had a lot of the expectation. We've had a lot of the girls on on this show over the last two or three months. They were so looking forward to it, so they'll be desperately disappointed. Yeah, totally. Uh, that is just right there, just a lack of uh, test hardened. Uh, rugby experience for that group of girls. You know, nine debutantes in that um, team that uh, put the black jerseys on for a start. So that's a big ask against a very experienced, uh, well-oiled, well-resourced English team. So, uh, look, there's just a lot of lessons to be learned from that. And the first is set piece, you know. Um, the line-out were just uh, poor and you absolutely cannot... Uh, lose that much line-out ball. Uh, that suffocated them from having ball in hand. We saw them throw a few loose uh, passes, get the ball that way, and they look good when they've got the ball um, moving like that, the Black Ferns. But, you know, there's a lack of precision, a lack of mongrel, um, no dominance, and, man, have they got some work to do. Did they pick the right team? Did they have any options in your mind? Uh, look, for this point in time with a couple of injuries, uh, that's probably the team that they should have picked because they've got to, they've got to blood them and, and give them lessons somewhere, right? Um, but, you know, they do need Kelly Brazier back, uh, who will bring his experience there uh, when Portia Woodman's back. And then next year after the seventh commitments, let's hope players like Sarah Hiddeny uh, make themselves available because they just need uh, a little bit more skill and experience there. So, no, there was, there was um, a lot of, uh, you know, head-kicking, uh, you know, when they kicked it into the um, deep, when they had the wind behind the back, they kicked it straight to players. 
Uh, the kickoff ball was very flat, didn't give them the chance to attack. There were so many basic things um, that they know they'll need to fix. But the, I honestly think they'll look at that, learn and turn that around. I think you'll see some massive improvement next week and then two tests against France as well. OK, well, uh, let's uh, look at the, the build-up, which was almost... Um, non-eventual really because uh, they took two, two uh, weeks off the final stages of uh, the Farah Palmer Cup. It would have been nice to see them in that competition. Uh, was that the right thing, um, you know, to take them away from competitive 15s rugby or, uh, or did they have no option? Looking back, you would say they need to play rugby and uh, I did question why they took them out uh, at the time. So um, you can now probably say, look, more game time would have been better, but they decided to work on uh, their moves, you know, their team cohesion and uh, getting that team together to prepare because they just haven't had uh, much time. So, you know, it's one or the other. Uh, now they're playing test rugby. They've just got to turn it around and go back to the basics. You know, even that line-out, like, they started walking them very slowly. They were beaten off the ground uh, at pretty much every lift. No explosion. Like the, the, these things are actually pretty to fix. Um, mm. It's just that what I think really is they just need a real leader in that back line to start directing the strategy uh, because there's a, a bit of a lack of leadership out there too. Okay, let's. Um, were there any upsides for you? Uh, a scoreline like yeah. that, you, you kind of think, well, not a lot, but we're there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, uh, I think a couple of the individuals were awesome. Aisha uh, Yinga on the wing, uh, she's always fantastic. Stacey Flula was doing heat out there by herself. Um, yeah, and, and I think when you saw those reserves came on, maybe they he made the changes just a little bit too late there because, mate, there was some really good impacts uh, from the bench. So, so look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, confident that they'll be the most disappointed um, and they'll be the ones looking at. Uh, what they didn't do, and I think they'll be able to turn a lot of that stuff around because it was just rustiness, that's all. You know, what, 28 months out from rugby? It's, we can't yeah. expect them to suddenly beat the world's number one who were actually really good this morning, so, um, yeah, tough ask. OK, so um, they're very strong, aren't they, at set-piece? I, I looked at their set-piece, yep. set they were very, very strong, and, and they, were very, they looked very organised and very confident about pretty much everything that they did. How far ahead of us are they uh, overall, do you think? And, uh, or is that just a one-off and, and, as you say, we'll close at the margin quite significantly next time round? Mm, no, I think they are 31 points ahead of us at the moment, that's for sure. Um, I think we will close the margin and by the time you get to that World Cup next year, um, we can also build into the systems and that uh, the Black Ferns will be back. It's just going to take a little bit of time. England, you know, what, how many tests have they had? They're 15 tests unbeaten mm. or something. They've had 14 um, since the Black Ferns last one. So they've got their six nations. They've got big, fit girls. They're well-conditioned. They've got this uh, formula and strategy they've played very well. And then they've got some amazing seven players that they've brought over, um, like Holly Aitchinson. She was at centre. You saw that distribution and their ability to get the ball out wide. They played really, really well. They could have scored more tries if they hadn't dropped the ball um, as much. Mm -hmm. So the Black Friends were probably a little lucky that uh, the score was only 43-12. I'm being very harsh here, but I just know that the standards mm -hmm. that they hold themselves to are just much higher than um, mm -hmm. what happened this morning. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think they'd want it any other way to, to be analysed in that regard. I don't, you know, it's it's a very, very, well, then that brings me to my next question, actually. How, how much more professional is England, England women's rugby and their setup and their support base uh, compared to ours at this point, bearing in mind we've got new competitions coming up and some more money coming into the game for the individuals? Yeah, well, they've always had uh, really strong competitions through their clubs, and they were, uh, well, semi-professional, or they would call it fully professional, ahead of the World Cup last time in 2017. So uh, in that professional respect, uh, they are ahead. I think they get resourced um, more because it's England rugby and they've just got more money than anybody else, and they've got a huge number of players to pick from as well. So uh, England have always been strong and um, that's just a really good example of, of why what we saw this morning kills me though. I tell you what, that, that rivalry uh, between the Black Sands and England, it's not a warm one. There are no aftermatch drinks. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Um, that's cool. I mean, yeah. ours wouldn't have tasted too good this morning anyway. I just, I look at, uh, I was talking to John Hart a little bit earlier and he's talking about bringing the global nature of rugby together. That's one of his big passions about bringing the global world of rugby closer together, Northern Hemisphere, Southern Hemisphere. I look at the, our only real quality opposition down here is Australia, to be fair, and I think they're quite a way behind us in some areas of, of women's rugby. I just wonder with more competition, I mean, once every four years or three, three years or something to, to play against these powerful Northern Hemisphere sides, I, I would have thought that would benefit us. So we, should we be looking at more regular Northern tours? I love the All Blacks. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, World Rugby has got plans to uh, start this global women's competition after the World Cup, and that has got in it um, Oceania groups of competition, um, you know, European, and then you've got that top level, that top tier where New Zealand will be involved and in, where they will go overseas and play a lot more regular uh, test matches. So that's going to benefit big time. Um, it would have been nice over the last couple of years if Australia had been um, slightly resourcing their Wallaroos team because that would have been the team that the Black Ferns might have been able to play over those COVID, um, you know, couple of years because really at the end of the day it's COVID that's really impacted here because the, the All Blacks are the only um, team that were able to play over the last couple of years. You know, Māori team played Pacifica team here, but that was in New Zealand, so... Um, we're isolated, we're at the bottom of the world, uh, we're disadvantaged in that respect as well. So that, honestly, this global um, rugby competition, for women's rugby in particular, uh, is needed. Uh, it's late and it's really good to see that World Rugby are going to put some money into this. Uh, aside from uh, the two changes you mentioned, which are, are back three changes, Kelly Brazier and Portia Woodman coming back in with all that experience, what about the areas where we were beaten up up front? Do we? What would you do there? Would you say, well, okay, you, you girls got it wrong this time, go out, we'll work on it this week and you can go and get it right, or would there be changes for you there in the offing? Uh, I think that um, Bremner uh, on the blind side and also our new lock, uh, their body position was super high when they're going into contact. So theoretically you could keep them on but you just have to really hammer them with a lot of contact this week in terms of uh, getting that body position low. So again it was a real small basic that uh, they didn't do and they continuously made that mistake there. Uh, I would have maybe I'd think about changing that front row because they came on and played particularly well 
our line-out didn't work, so bring on the other hooker who's uh, renowned for really accurate line-out throws uh, and really just hammer those set pieces over the week. It's, it's a big, big ask. If they can turn it around in a week, that would be pretty impressive. Um, I think that if they can just iron out the basics, it will be um, you know, the next step towards making sure that they're prepared for the World Cup. I think really the, the thing here that I'm super passionate about is Black Ferns are an amazing rugby product, right? You know, you've seen them on Sky for the last couple of years, 2019, 2018, massive audiences watching um, on those curtain raises. So they prove that they've got an awesome rugby um, event and extravaganza that people want to watch. But that game this mm. morning takes them a step backwards. They still have to be winning and they've still got to be playing good rugby. And when they come out to that World Cup next year, they've got to be right at that top level again because no one's ever paid to go to a women's rugby game in this country, ever. It's either been a curtain raiser or you get in the gate free. This will be the first time uh, that anyone pays and got to make sure that they're right at tip-top uh, level and quality um, and putting some good rugby out there. I'm backing them at that well, just And I'll still pay. Very you know. Very, very, very timely. You won't have to pay, you know that. Uh, very timely. Uh, World Cup tickets went on sale at 9 o'clock this morning, I'm told, for the opening day of the tournament where the Black Ferns will play uh, the Wallaroos in October yeah. next year. So we're looking there at, at, on the basis of that at some very, very big attendances. We, we generally do support World Cups pretty well in this country, don't we? Yeah, look, their opening uh, day is, what, uh, three tests? back-to-back or maybe four tests back-to-back at Eden Park and I think you'll be surprised that they turn the games into more of an event with um, pieces of entertainment around it which will really, um, I don't know, attract young kids and keep them amused and and mean that there's a a lot more to do there than just watch great rugby. So I'm really excited about that opening day and then there's kind of a sense of nostalgia, really, about the Blackfords going up to Northland to play a test match. So um, I've already got a whole uh, group of Blackfords that uh, we're going to stay up at a batch and, and head off to that game as well. So I think that, you know, people will get behind it. It's going to be fun. Uh, a lot of investment and time has been put into, you know, the ICC Women's World Cup cricket, um, which I believe that ICC will make a decision on very soon to confirm uh, whether that's going ahead or not. Fingers crossed it is. Um, and then Women's Rugby World Cup and then the FIFA. So, you know, it, women's sport is, is it's good. It's a, it's a good product to watch generally. Um, family oriented, different from, uh, you know, your normal All Blacks match where you go there and you sit there and you don't smile too much until we win um, and watch the game every second of it. Mm. But it's all good because it all sort of mixes up into making rugby um, attractive for a big bunch of people. It's, uh, that trip to Northland, knowing you, Melody Robinson, sounds like one hell of a party. Oh, well, absolutely. I'll tell you what, <laughs> I, I can't wait. Um, I will be very healthy until the World Cup starts, and then I'll be, la- be allowing myself to eat bad and have a few beers. It'll be great fun. <laughs> Good on you. Hey, enjoy. I hey, love talking to you, Mel. I love catching up after all this time. Thanks so much for your time this morning and your very honest analysis. I think it was very good. Thank you. That'll be back. Thank you, Smelly.